following is a Furnish Brothers production. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Talking Buds podcast. It is the Talking Buds podcast. It's the Talking Buds podcast, folks. Talking Buds podcast. Season two, Talking Buds podcast. Let's go. All he's got to do is get in the weight room and, oh, baby, he'll be a good pro in no time. Good pro. Stinks. Absolutely stinks. Stanley Cup? How about let's just run around? What a dummy. You just know that Babs was looking to see if there was any gas left in the tank of that good pro. This, this, this. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. And now, here's your host, Rob and Ryan. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Talking Buds podcast. And Ryan, 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 Ryan. Where do we go with that? Yeah, dude, that that game is like if you're a Leaf fan and you're watching that game, the amount of emotion and different thoughts that were running through my brain watching each period. And a lot of those thoughts were not rational because I was so angry and pissed off. And this hockey team is starting to get very predictable and Man, I I I want to be positive, but honestly, dude, I I can't I can't be positive right now. I can't. Okay, so before let's before we get into the Washington game, let's just quickly go over the week that was when we last spoke. Ryan, we teed up last Thursday's matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I actually scored some last minute tickets to this game, and I went with my girlfriend. We sat in a box, and it was a debacle. That's the best way I can put it. They got their asses handed to them by the oh, Tampa yeah. it was Bay embarrassing. Lightning. Embarrassing hockey game. I almost I almost I turned it off. I didn't even watch the full game. I didn't even watch the end of it, man. I was just pissed. Like, come on, man. So she got hooked up. So we're sitting in a box, right? And so I'm leaving. And as I'm leaving, like you walk out the door to the box to like the main area to like get on the elevator, and Dubis and Shanny walk right by me. Two things. Uh-huh. Kyle Dubas is way taller in person than he looks on TV. And two, he and Shanny both look pissed. And I am not over-exaggerating. They were not happy. Yeah, they have no reason to be happy. Not surprised. So they follow that up with a win on Saturday night in Detroit against the Red Wings, a game in which all the... Uh, grinders third and fourth line guys showed up some of the defensemen showed up it was a night where the stars pretty much were nowhere to be found but nevertheless good win solid win against a divisional opponent last night they play the minnesota wild who are a horrific hockey team and they pick up a 4-2 victory and today everybody's singing kumbaya we're all happy they're back on they've got they've rattled off two wins in a row. And tonight, they go into Washington, Ryan, and they start this game. Actually, before before we get into the game, let's let's the main storyline going into tonight was Trevor Moore being promoted from the third line up with Tavares and Marner and Kapanen being demoted down to the third line. Your thoughts on that move last night? Babcock, I'd like to say, like, I'd like to think that Mike Babcock listened to Talking Buds last week because we suggested exactly that. Yep, and we said exactly that, and it's it wasn't really a surprise to me. It's like Trevor Moore is one of the most effective guys on the ice, shift by shift. Like he's always in the play, he's always on my television screen, near the puck or doing something well, and it was just all up to the stubborn guy who sits behind the bench to make decisions like that and I'm surprised he actually went that quick but at the same time not so surprised because Cappy 
He might like him, but he's definitely not one of his hymens or one of his favorites. So I, I thought it would have been easier for him to move him down because of that. So obviously it's the second game of a back-to-back. So Anderson plays last night. Hutchinson plays tonight. Babcock's taking heat for this decision. A lot of people, myself included, think that you should play your starter against the tougher opponent. Um, Mike Babcock is not of that frame of mind. So Hutchison gets the start tonight against the Capitals. Capitals have lost four of five coming into this one, but they're catching the Leafs on the second night of a back-to-back. Under five minutes into the game, Trevor Moore sets up Casperi Kapanen for a shorthanded goal. Trevor Moore is elevating everyone around him, even the guy he replaced on the first line. And you're going, there you go. You know the Leafs, they've given up the first goal in... Six of seven to this point, and now they're they're scoring first, and we're feeling pretty good. Six minutes later, Kasperi Kapan again sets up Ilya Mikhaev, who scores on a breakaway. And I have written here, playing on the third line is helping Kapanen as well, and the Leafs are up 2-0 early. You texted me at this point, and you said, Mikhaev is really good. Yeah, I, I like him a lot, man. I just... They, they've tried this experiment with a couple different guys, bringing them over from somewhere in Europe, either Russia or Sweden. And I think so far, if you compare him uh, to the other guys they've brought in the past couple of years, compare him through these first couple of games, he's definitely the best I've seen out of the whole group, out of the, the Zaitsevs, the Borgmans, the Rosens, the the list goes on and on. It's I think so far he's looked the most comfortable and look like he's ready to contribute like on a nightly basis either on the penalty kill or on the score sheet and I just I like the guy's effort forgot about Borgman yeah yeah guys like that they they tried tried everything with those guys and I just think so far this guy looks legit I, I like him so um the Leafs are dominating this first period. The Capitals are playing right into the Leafs' hands. They're playing open, shinny, run-and-gun style. The Leafs love... If you go out there and you want to throw structure out the window and just play some shinny pond hockey, the Leafs are going to lick their chops at that. That's how all these guys want to play. So, 101 left in the first period. The Leafs are, like I said, in full run-and-gun mode. Get caught out of position in the defensive zone. Carlson sets up Verana, is that how you say it, Ryan? Verana? Yeah, yeah, Verana. For a one-timer who blasts it by Hutchison, rifles it past Hutchison. Yeah, that, that was a that was a laser beam. Yeah. So the first period ends. Wide open. No forward covering. Yep. Yeah. Just a guy just, oh, I'm going to sit out here up by the face-off dot. Let me take a one-timer while you just watch. So that's what I, what did I just say? I said they, they were, if you want to play pond hockey, that's how the Leafs want to play. We'll get into that later, but it's, yeah, it's frustrating. First period ends, Caps are up 12-11 in shots, but it was a pretty dominating period for the Leafs. I thought they looked really good, and I felt really good about it. That was their best start. We've heard a lot of start-on-time arguments so far this season, and I thought that was their best start to any game this season. Second period starts, Caps almost score. Puck goes under Hutchinson's arm, but hits the post. Close one there. Moments later, Kuznetsov, though, catches the Leafs on a line change. 2-2. Yeah, tired shift. He just blew by everyone. Yeah. He, looked Johnny, he made Johnny T look silly. Yeah, and, and then Barry, Barry's, Barry's just, just out of gas. Yeah, Barry's just looking for the wrong man, and it's just like, man, like, that, that's, you knew, I knew right then and there, it was like, this game's over. Like, it, they're not even in the lead yet, I know it's over. 11 seconds later, sort of a set play. Caps on the faceoff, dump it into the Leafs zone. Oshie out hustles the Leafs, beats the defenseman and all the forwards in, turns around, sets up Backstrom for a one-timer. Boom, 3-2 Caps. Yep, no forward covering Backstrom again. Kerfoot's just watching, just watching Oshie make a pass. It's like, great. Thanks, boys. Thanks for the pickup. Thanks for really being in good position. Thanks. 15 seconds later, Nick Shore takes a penalty out front of the net, which is almost instantly followed by Cody CC taking a delay of game penalty for knocking the puck into the stands. The Caps will have a five on three for a minute and 51 seconds. Seconds later, they score on the five on three. Ovi fakes a shot and passes it to Carlson. 4-2 yeah, caps. Gorgeous. Leafs are coming, and I have here in my notes, Leafs are coming unglued. Yeah, that was that was a gorgeous play by Ovi. That was unreal. But, yeah, like they just 
when they start feeling the heat and the other team starts to put the pressure on and they've kind of figured out what they have to do to beat this hockey team, it's just, I feel like there's just no coming back. Like once they went down 4-2, I had zero confidence that they were going to come back and make it a hockey game. They scored, but it was really late to make it 4-3. But I just, man, like I just, after seeing that goal, it's like, dude, it's, it's over. Like they're not coming back. Like here we go again. They're, they get overpowered by a by a strong hockey team in this league and they just look like they can't do anything they can't beat anyone like they're not going to win anything like it's just my brain is just headed to the most negative space of all time because it's just the same thing over and over and over again it's so frustrating let's wrap up let's wrap up the the game wrap here and then we'll have a holistic discussion you just basically fast forwarded through it because there was not a whole lot that went on uh i i do want to make note of uh jake muzzin who i think has been their best defenseman so far through eight games made a nice pinch with 233 left Broke up a Caps rush, which set up Tavares for a goal to make it 4-3. And that's how the game would end. Through eight games, the Maple Leafs are 4-3-1. and one. And Ryan, I we got a lot to talk about. So on the other side here, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode of the show. If you like the show and want to support us, give us a follow on Instagram at Talkin' Buds Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate all your support. Thank you. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Well, Ryan, as I just said before the break there, the Maple Leafs are 4-3-1 and one to start the season. Um, I've got a lot of thoughts. You've got a lot of thoughts. But my, my main thing, and to start this conversation here, I want to start it with this. Through eight games, same old, same old. They made a lot of changes in the offseason, got rid of guys, brought new guys in, but... This is still the same pond hockey team that they've been for the last three years. And it's getting to the point, Ryan, where I, and listen, it's eight games in, okay? So I get it. Let's not all overreact. But it is concerning that this early on, the signs and the bad habits from years past are all still here, not starting on time. Very, very sketchy, poor play in their own zone. Once a team, like what you saw with Washington tonight is they played the Leafs game in the first period and it wasn't going their way. They regrouped in the intermission and said, we need to play a more structured game, stand up at our blue line, not let them get their their zone entries and cycles going. And that's how we shut them down. And they did. And the game completely turned in their favor. Yeah. And it's just, I, I'm so sick of the it's early line like I'm sorry it's not early for this hockey team this is the same core group of guys who've been plugging away for the past three years like I'm not doing this early stuff like yeah Tyson Barry's a new guy and see like there's not that much turnover you still have the main guys patrolling your top two lines so it's I'm that excuse is is not in it for me and I'm so sick of this hockey team just never getting any offensive zone time. Anytime you see them get a goal that's not a power play, it, it nine times out of ten, it's it's the goals you saw tonight, like Mikheyev on a breakaway or more on a two-on-one. When's the last time you saw the Leafs like grind a team down in their own zone and work a man free and hit him with a pass and put it in after a hard-working shift or have any offensive zone time for more than 20 seconds? Like tonight was just... Like, early, it was, like, the first period, the Caps were brutal. Like, the Caps were brutal, and the Leafs had a bit of legs. But once, like what you said, the Caps put some structure in their game, it was game over, man. And I just, and I had no confidence that they could do anything to beat that hockey team once the Caps figured it out. And it's a problem for me. Something needs to change on this hockey team. I know it's so early, and it seems like such a hot take for some people. 
But, dude, I'm not doing this all year. I'm not believing in this team all year because they win four games against four crappy teams. Yeah. Like, they've lost every game to every good hockey team so far this season, and it's all been kind of the same script so far. And it's getting... I'm getting sick of it. At this point, what, like, we are, um, it's well documented how both of us feel about Babcock. But at this point, like, who are you blaming right now? Are you blaming Babcock? Are you blaming Dubas? Are you blaming the personnel? Like, who, what do you think is the reason? Like, at some point, you have to look at the DNA of this team and say, and no one gets on Babcock more than me. No one. But at some point, you have to look at the DNA of this team and the core of this team and say a leopard doesn't change its spots. I don't know if this team will ever play. Like you just described um, grinding other teams down with a cycle and like being aggressive offensively in that respect. I don't know if this team will ever do that. I just don't think that this core of players is built that way. Yeah, then you're going to go down again and you're not going to win a thing. It's just, I think there's blame to go around for all three Dubas personnel and Babcock. One thing I will say about Babcock is I'm just whole, like we've said this a million times, we're beating a dead horse, but I'm so tired of his shtick, his stubbornness, the way he, the way they, just nothing's changed. Like there's no change in game plan. They're still doing that stupid drop pass at center ice. That slows all the forwards down ahead of that guy who's getting the puck. So he dumps it in and no one has any momentum going to the puck. And look how easy it is for the Washington Capitals to break out of their zone. It is a walk in the park. No problem. And it's just, it's, oh, it's brutal, man. I'm actually pissed after tonight. Like they're, the first three years with this core, it's anytime they had a game like this, it was like, okay, fine. These are the guys we drafted. This is our core they have to learn. But now it's to the point where I'm so over that. They all got their contracts. Like, when I see a game like that tonight, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable, and everyone has a blame in it. Because Dubas also constructed this roster with all the same hockey players. And Babcock's stubborn. And the forwards can't come back in their own zone and cover anyone. The thing that, like sort of, just, the thing that takes the win out of my sales is the, the style of hockey that this team excels at is not going to win you a Stanley Cup. No, and I don't care if your personnel like warrants that style of play. Who cares? You make them play another style. Yeah. So so and they'll learn. So that then that then um goes to the coaching, right? Like if I would have no problem if Mike Babcock got fired tomorrow. Let's just say no, that. neither would I. No issue. Neither would I. No issue whatsoever. Wouldn't hurt a thing. Yeah, neither would I. I'd be excited actually. Yeah, yeah. It's not gonna happen, but neither would I. And you made a good point there, and you're right. They've lost. So the games this year that have been like the really bad games, like the first one was against the Habs, who are a perennial playoff team. We don't know if the Habs are gonna make the playoffs, but they'll be they'll be in the wild card discussion. Then the other bad loss was to the Lightning, who, even though they've had a slow start to the season, are everyone still considers them a cup favorite, and the Leafs got dummied in that game. And then tonight, team that won the cup two years ago is able to overcome a bad period, settle down, score a bunch of goals, and again, you're, you this game ends, and you're it's you feel like we just watched the Leafs excel for a period playing shinny. And then when the opponent said, okay, we're going to settle down and play a structured game, the type of uh, game that won us the Stanley cup two years ago, they had no, they just, they don't know. They don't know how to play against that. Ryan. It's so, it's so frustrating. And I see a lot of people tonight on Twitter or Instagram. We've already had one comment on our Instagram of someone saying we need a new backup goalie. Listen, Hutch wasn't great tonight, okay? But you're seeing when Hutchison plays and Freddie against the Lightning the other night, you're seeing what happens to this team if they don't have a goaltender in there who can make at least two to three 10 bell saves per game. Like, defensively, and it's not all on the personnel, although, like, Cody Cece, man, holy, like, he is... He's come like he. We were all singing his praises three games in, and now you're watching him, and you're like, okay, Travis Dermott, let's get back in here. Like this is brutal. But it's the forwards coming back in the defensive. The forwards are nowhere in the defensive zone. Nowhere. 
They're all up waiting to get that puck to get it, skate out on the rush and do the stretch pass or whatever, as you said, the back pass. And so is that coaching? Is that Babcock telling the forwards to hang up around there? Or is that them all just deciding we want to score our goals and this is how we want to play? Well, no, that back pass in the neutral zone, they, they usually do it on the power play, but sometimes you'll see them do it on five on five. It's a little more rare than the power play, but like that's coaching. Like that, that that's a set play. And they've been doing that set play for forever, for multiple years. And like, if you look at the percentages of like, I don't know what percentages they're looking at, but for me being a diehard fan watching every game, noticing these things, it's a play that's garbage, man. It doesn't work. It does not work. Maybe if you had Connor McDavid, it would work. But like none of these guys, like William Nylander, is not getting that puck and somehow getting it deep and getting it back. Like, no. Like, it's just... I was I was texting my buddy before the game, and you brought up Hutch, and I'm like, it is not easy to be a goalie for this hockey team right now. No, like, it's not. I Like, for a guy, like, what do you... You might, you might as well need another number, uh, another number one yeah. to play backup because if you would just have a mediocre backup for this hockey team... He's going to get exposed. Yes. And all those goals tonight, man, that the Capitals scored, those were like big boy shots. Like those weren't just little dinky do shots. All of them were hammered, except for that Kuznetsov one. But that one was pretty That one was pretty sick. But like the Carlson, Backstrom, and Verano one, like those were hammered pucks. Like great chances. And like really, yeah, like good chances. Like no, no one really around, like time to set up and wire it past uh, Hutchison. Yeah, man, it's like, I don't want this to be like an all negative episode. And there are definitely going to be people who are listening to this that are like, it's eight games in, relax. And it's like, but I love the way you said it. It's not eight games in for this core. It's not. And we're still seeing the same bad habits that we saw for the last two years. And they're not getting any better. They still want to play the same style. It's, It's like, and you're not, what you saw from the two teams in the cup final last year, that's not how this team wants to play. No. And you're not going to go deep in the playoffs, and you're not going to beat the elite teams through a seven-game series playing the way the Leafs want to play. The only hope at this point that they have to eliminate Boston in the first round is they go out, they capitalize on all their chances off the rush, and Freddie makes three to four to five unreal saves. That's that's literally their only chance, which is the same exact chance they had last year and the same exact chance they had the year before. And it's and, like... And I know someone was, someone's probably going to throw it in our face about, oh, they went to seven games with the Bruins. They're only a period away. Both They were up three games to two last year. But it's like the hockey gods somehow would not let Ryan, that hockey team win that series. Ryan, like, there's no way. I don't care if it was four would, games or seven Ryan, games. If people, it's the same thing. If people want to come at us with that argument and say, well, they had them on the ropes. Listen, I'm going to borrow a line from, I don't know if anybody listens to or watches Undisputed with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, but I'm going to order, I, I'm going to borrow a line from Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp says, I own a restaurant and we serve Hot dubs and cold L's. So almost eliminating Boston, you get a you get a cold L for that. It doesn't yeah. matter that you had them on the ropes. You still lost the series in seven games. Yeah, and and I think I could speak for both of us in saying, like, we both know that the the players on this hockey team, they're they're all good little hockey players. You know, like if you put them in any like compared to like they're not bad hockey players. Like they're not horrible. They're really t- there's some really talented dudes on this team, but, but when well, you put them all together, yeah, and well, this- you have a system that's non-existent, and you have a team that's just too much skill and not enough like heart and fight. This is what you get. You get a mediocre hockey team. All they've shown this year is that they're mediocre. They've beaten the crap teams, and They've lost against every good team. I know they had that one good game against the Blues, but guess what? Still a cold L. Yep. Yep. Like, ah, hundred percent, man. And it, but you, 
So you, based on what you just said, you're saying that it's the coaching because you said non-existent system. So do you think that if they fired Mike Babcock tomorrow and Sheldon Keefe took over behind the bench, we would see an improvement? Or do you think? Yeah, I think we would. The DNA of the team is as such that like these guys, Matthews, Nylander, Marner, um, all, all the core. I want to keep the the bottom six out of it because at the end of the day, you're gonna win and lose with your horses. So is is it that they just are like we're offensive hockey players? This is how we excel. This is how we want to play. We'll 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 come back here and there in the defensive zone. Or is it this system is flawed? Mike Babcock is not getting the most out of these guys. They've either tuned him out or his system doesn't work or whatever, and he needs to be removed. Well, one thing I know for sure is some of those guys have tuned out Mike Babcock, and some of them are sick of him for sure. That that I don't know. Obviously, I don't know that, but if I had to bet on it, I, I would bet. And you don't know for sure, like if Sheldon Keefe comes on and – they bring down the house and it's all of a sudden they go on a run. I know that they would be a little bit better off the bat because they would, there'd be a new energy. He'd change some things up. There's still a good, there's still a bunch of good little hockey players. Like if you put a, make them do the right thing. I'm we haven't seen it yet though, but in the long run come April, May, June, I think what you said also with those group of players together, I still don't think it's good enough to get it done. But they could be a lot better and play a way better system. But it system. is good enough. It, it, this is what's so frustrating, Ryan, is uh, it's not a talent problem. Like, it's like I don't look at this team and say, oh, you know what? They just don't have the talent. It's like they have the talent. They're a good enough hockey team. But, like, they they play in such a way that if you're, you're the opponent, like you saw it tonight against the Capitals. The Capitals... Went in in that first intermission, regrouped, said, okay, we're not going to play shinny. We're not going to play three-on-three at NTR. Sorry for those of you who don't get that reference. We're going to we're gonna play a structured game. We're going to stand up at our blue line. We're not going to let them um, come through our uh, the neutral zone and across our blue line with speed because that's what they want. We're not going to turn the puck over in the neutral zone. We're going to get it in on them and cycle because they can't handle anything down low in their own zone. And look what happened. The Oshi goal. Or not the Oshi goal, the Backstrom goal that Oshi set up. Just yeah, blows right just by. Outworked. Just yeah. blows right by the entire team. Gets down there. They're all standing around watching because it's in the defensive zone. And they're like, where do I stand again? Where do I go? And on Backstrom stick in the net. Yeah. And and to add on to that Capitals game plan, you just have to make sure you don't give up an odd two-on-one being too far in the O-zone. And if the Leafs do get in the offensive zone, just don't wa- put immediate pressure on them because they will just give you the puck and it'll be the easiest breakout night of your entire life. Like I'm, your entire life. Like if you just put some back pressure on them, they'll, they'll just wilt and give up the puck. I saw it so many times tonight. Like I don't want to get carved for being negative and I don't want to get carved for people saying that like, Oh, you're, we're like the older leaf crowd that says they need more grit. That's, that's the word I can't say it is when they say they need more grit. It's like, okay, well, I don't even know what that means, but it's like, they're, they're pretty easy to play against. And that doesn't mean go out and run everybody over. I feel like this is the hundredth time I've said this on this podcast. Like that doesn't mean go out and run people over and be dirty and whatever. Or Mitch Marner, who is not a physical player to all of a sudden start being physical. But it's like you just said. It's like the Caps just take the puck off them like with ease. Yeah, and they, the Caps don't have like, yeah, they have Tom Wilson and Ovi likes to throw the body a bit. But like they don't have a – they have a couple like softer guys on their team too, guys who are just skilled players who aren't physical. Like not every team is going to have that perfect physical touch to it, even though it helps. But like just play a system that is going to make your team seem more gritty than you actually are. Like it's a system can be gritty. Yes, it doesn't even need to be an individual player or, or like guys don't have to drop the gloves or anything. Just play a system that is going to be effective and actually wear down the other team. Like just don't. So oh, this one and done. Like again, one and done in the ozone. Like it's just, it's not going to work. So they're four, three, and one. 
not a great start, but also not awful. Um, I think through our discussion we've had here, we've sort of um, decided that Mike Babcock system and coaching is is the main thing that we'd like to see change at this point. Well, it's the only thing that can change yeah. immediately. Yeah, and like Kyle Dubas isn't going out and trading for somebody after he just did the whole whole spiel with all the contracts and having all this team together for a full year under all the deals. Like the only immediate change you could make is firing Mike Babcock, which, which do, do, we do might we be overreacting a bit, happen. but at the same time, well, I no, don't no, they're care. not going to, he's not going to get fired tomorrow, but like, let's just say like at the end of November, the record is still hovering around. Like, what's it going to take? Is it going to take them like being a, like, let's just say at the end of November, they're, they're in the 500 territory with their record. Is he, is he in jeopardy of getting fired or is it going to take them completely falling out of playoff contention? Yeah, I feel like if they're completely out of playoff contention, then that's going to be the the mid-season reason to fire him. Because I think he has this year to prove himself. I think that's like the intention. It's like, well, let's give Mike this year with a new lineup and everyone's signed to to have a full year and see what he can do. But if they're fi- if they're just not in the playoff race and they're f- chasing, then he'll he'll be fired. That's that's the only way I can see it. Like I don't see and, I don't see them. I find it really really hard to believe that they fire him in season. I think yeah. I think he they either don't make the playoffs and he gets fired like the next day or as I've said before and I'll say it again, anything short of an Eastern Conference final appearance in my opinion, he should lose his job. Yeah, I just I, I there's so like everyone's ah oh, it's early it's like you know what they're not that bad they're four three and one but I just I've been watching this team for way too long man it's it goes back to even further than the Babcock era it goes back as long as I've been alive it's just I'm so impatient with this hockey team now because it's like I'm tired of being patient like I'm at the point where I'm so impatient like it I, it might not be rational like Mike Babcock's I'm sure he's a great coach. Okay, he's got a lot of good ideas. He's he's made a lot of guys look really good. Nazem Kadri, all those guys. And he can put people in good positions. But there's just got to be a little more flexibility when you're behind the bench. Like, it's just all his shtick, his decisions, his doghouse. His, like, I just, I'm, I'm tired of it. And I if he needs to be fired, then, like, I don't care. Fire him. It's not overreaction to me anymore. It's a legit conversation. All right, and with that, let's move into this week's selections for Bum and Beauty. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. So what do you think, Rai? You want to go first? I go first? You go first? What do you think? You go first. I go first. Okay, you know what? You usually do bum first. I'm going to start with beauty first. I'm going to go with Justin Hole. Here's a guy who had, was spent 70 games, Ryan. 70. 7-0 in the press box last year. And he's earned a spot out there to, uh, so far this season. I, I said tonight, but he's been out there pretty much all year. And I think he's done a really good job, and I think he deserves credit, and I really like his game, and he doesn't make me nervous when he's out there, and I'm a very big fan and supporter of his, and I'm glad in the, tonight he's saddled with good old Marty Marinson. So he's got that working against him, but other than that... Well, at least, at least it looks like he can stick handle a puck. Yes. Like, Marty, Marty looks like he can't even stick handle sometimes. But other than that, um, I think he's... He, if if I see him in the press box again this year over Marinson, I'm gonna be like, "Jeez, Mike, what? Like, come on." So Justin Hole, good for you. You overcame Babcock's ridiculousness last year, and now you're in the lineup every night. Justin Hole is my beauty of the week. Nice. My beauty of the week is the guy I mentioned earlier, Ilya Mikhaev, Mikhaev, whatever you want to call him, Tavares, Tavares. It's gonna be that type of deal. But I, I just like this kid. He's just, I love this. Honestly, he's more my beauty of the week because of the the 
reporting in the dressing room of like this guy, how he's just, just the happiest dude. And he goes home and watches friends on Netflix to learn English and like soup. And I, he works hard, man. He's fast. Who doesn't, who, what, what's like, who doesn't love a good bowl of soup? Well, you're just in it for the baguette that goes with oh, it. Oh, I love a good bowl. I love like a, a nice bowl of foss, French onion, nice bowl of uh, chicky noodle. Oh, oh yeah, love. yeah, foss. Oh, I love foss, man. You get the yeah. the, the yeah, keg. The keg has great foss. Oh yeah. yeah, there's a couple places you can find. But um, yeah, man, he's my beauty of the week. I just like what he's bringing to the table, and I would take him over Connor Brown, Patty Marlowe. Any of those bottom six guys that we've had to watch the past couple of years. I like his work ethic. He's basically just Hyman, just kind of less physical, but more skilled. But he has the speed, and he's just like a big, lanky dude just going around the ice. I don't know. I like him. He's my Beauty of the Week. I want to do an honorable non-Leaf mention for Beauty of the Week. I would like to uh, give a special Beauty of the Week shout-out to Jordan Bennington. I don't know if you saw the pictures of his tribute yeah, the, to Cujo mask. Yeah, the Cujo mask like, in St. Louis. Yeah, like the, the blues are wearing those like retro blue and like yellow yeah, unis. Love those unis. Yeah, they're oh, wearing yeah. those, and that's the mask he's wearing with those. Oh, Cujo just reminds you of like the Leaf glory days, like the early 2000 Leafs. Like when when the Leafs and like I forget what it was it was like ninety somewhere between ninety nine and two thousand two where the Leafs swept the Senators and Cujo literally won all four of those games. Yeah, just stood on his head. So just stood on his head. Shout out to uh, Jordan Bennington. Yes. All right, bum of the week. Go ahead. All right, I've wrestled with this one back and forth, but I'm gonna go with a bit of an unpopular opinion with some people but I think from what I've seen the past couple of games even though they were okay in the third period tonight they actually had a couple of good shifts the Matthews Nylander Janssen line not impressed man just just not even impressed with whatsoever. no it's it's not Matt like Matthews is an unbelievable goal scorer and when he pushes the pace he pushes the pace it to me, it's more the wingers. Like William, everyone knows on this podcast how you feel I don't about care if he scores the nicest goal yeah. I've ever seen in my entire life. His play throughout the entire game when he's not scoring is horrific. It's awful. There's no effort. There's no physicality. There's no give you know what meter. It's just zone entries and giving the puck away and. Like, if I, someone who watches this game back tonight, watch how easy this guy gets pushed off the puck. Like, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And if his only job is to score goals, and that's what he's best at, hit the net. He missed the net like five times tonight on good opportunities. Well, like, if you're not scoring, you're not doing anything. And Andreas Janssen, he's mango. had a couple of power play points, but he's oh mango. he looks yeah. like... Yeah. An idiot out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mango, mango just, does not look good. That's that. No, I, yeah. five on five. And I'm saying, like, I'm specifically saying five on five. That line does not get me stoked. Like, when Matthew scores a beauty goal, it's like, oh, they're not bad. But if you really dissect, like, if stop watching the puck, just watch those three guys maneuver around the ice in the O zone, in the D zone. Watch what they do other than score goals. It's not impressive at all. And it's just. It they drive me crazy. I feel like, like I feel like when you think about Janssen, aka Mango, you think about Kapanen as well. They're kind of like a like a one two the two pack. Um, and I feel like Kapanen's struggles early in the season have sort of masked how mediocre Mango has been. So I'm totally with you on that. I'm not as like he's just skating in circles doing just. Like a merry-go-round, looking at the puck go by him in the O zone and the D zone. Yeah. I'm not as He's down just, on Nylander yeah. as you are, um, but look, but that, I, I, but honestly, I think that's because the bar is so low because he played so awful last year. Nylander is yeah. a funny one, man. Like people, like his defenders get so like upset if you start criticizing him, and it's like 
listen, the guy's a super talented hockey player, no doubt about it. But, but there, he does take he takes a few shifts off every game. Oh, no my, doubt. You know about what, it. man? When those people, those analytical people who show you those stats to say that he's a good hockey player, I I'll validate those stats. Those are those are good analytical stats. Like I'm not saying he's not good at zone entries or whatever he says he does. It's just for me watching hockey my entire life, watching hockey players come in and out of this team for years and years and years. He is easily because I always pick on the skilled guy who gives you nothing than other than that. Which is why you and hated. Which is why you hated Phil Kessel. I hated Phil Kessel. Well, I didn't. I don't. I don't say hate, but I strongly disliked Phil Kessel. But you know what? I would take Kessel over Nylander any day of the week. At least Phil could take over a game when he wanted to. Like Willie can't take over a game when he wants to. He gets the odd nice little wrist shot. And other than that, he's just soft everywhere. And he drives me crazy. And it's. It's like if this is a guy we're depending on to be one of our star players to help like help us through a series, the easiest way I could put it is if I was in a battle of a hockey game and we're down two like they were tonight and I'm looking at the bench being like, who's going to come into the fight with me? And you look to your left and you see Zach Hyman. You're like, okay, I'm down with that. You look to your right, you see William Nylander. You're like, wow, boy, we are in trouble. This is not a guy I want to go to war with. No. Yeah, well, he's uh, the. You're not alone in how you uh, feel, Ryan. And there's a lot of people who will defend him to the bitter end, and that's their prerogative. And I'm kind of caught in the middle. There's times where I really like him when he looks good, and then I uh, feel the way you do. Like I'm, he makes me bipolar. Sometimes he goes out there, I'm like, "Kind of boy, Willie." There you go. And then other times he goes out there, I'm like, "Jesus, this guy is soft." All right, my bum of the week selection is a two-pack. I'm going with the CC and Riley defense pairing. They stink. Morgan Riley got four apples last night against the Minnesota Wild, and that's great, but he has had a brutal start to the season. Through eight games, he is nowhere near the Norris conversation like he was last year. I know it's only eight games. He'll get it turned around. He'll be fine. I'm not worried about Morgan Riley. But he's really, really struggled. He's way too interested in like jumping up in the rush and getting like he's way too interested in that. And it's really affected his defensive game. And Cody Cece, I'd like to give Cody Cece a round of applause. This guy is a, a hell of an actor because for the first three, four games of the season, we were like, hey, he's not that bad. It's an upgrade from Zaitsev. I'm sure if you check the tape like two episodes ago, I probably said that exact line. Hey, he's better than Zaitsev. This guy is brutal. Like, he's... When when this... If, if he keeps playing like this... So, let's hope that he's not an actor and I'm wrong. I really hope I am wrong and that he he his potential and ceiling is how he played in the first four games. Because if he plays like he's played in the last, like, three, when the, when the season's over, I'm going to say, Bye, Cody. Thanks for your service for a year. Bye. Yeah, it's probably what's going to happen. <sighs> My God. Yeah, no, he's not good. He's just, he doesn't offer anything. He's just, he's like a crap Jake Muzzin. Yeah, he, he is. He's a, he's a, he's a crappy Jake Muzzin. Yes, he is. Like, it's just, that's like nothing exciting about the guy <sighs> at all. Okay. Two things before we go. One, what did you think of them sending Rasmus Sandin down to the Marlies? Like we, I, I could get upset about it, but it's like you know what? I if the guy's gonna just be in Babcock's little game all year, then send him down. Yeah. Like don't let's not do this. I'd rather guy just go down, play for the coach that he's probably eventually gonna p- play for with the Leafs, and just get all the minutes you can. I don't don't play on the third pairing. I'm not gonna get upset because it's like what is he gonna play on the third pairing with Marinson? And I know Dermot's coming back, but if just. I don't want him to get caught in this press box thing with Martin Marinson all year because you know it's coming if he stayed up. One bad game from that kid. There's Marty right back in the lineup, and the last thing you need is your top D prospect sitting in the press box. New. No. I would agree on that. I um, The rationale, again, I chirp Babs like no one else, but the, his rationale for sending him down I agreed with. He's not getting enough ice time up here. He's not getting any power play time. Like, send him down. 
let him let him run the Marley's power play. Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's I, I you know like he's we all believe he's going to be a good hockey player. He's probably better than Cody CC already. Yes, but it's just he's definitely better than Marty Morenson. You got to commit to the draft and development. Well, like, sometimes just, I wonder I'm, if we're better than Marty Morenson. Oh, dude, I'm just kidding. watching. That. I just want to see that guy do like a skills competition. <laughs> see how painful it looks. <laughs> Seeing that guy stick handle, it's like, dude, I don't even know if you can even do this. No, I don't know if he can either. You good? No. All right, so Saturday night. Who's in town Saturday night, Ryan? A Boston Bruins. You know what the Bruins have been doing so far this year? Winning. Dummying hockey Winning, teams with Ryan. defensive play and chipping in from their top players in good goaltending. Right. I really hope I'm wrong, but it could get ugly on Saturday night, man. I really hope I'm wrong. I'm not even mad anymore. It's like the Bruins are just a better hockey yeah. team. Like, there's, I'm not getting upset about it anymore. Monday. The Leafs win? Wow, that's a great bonus. Like, they yeah. save that one. Like, the Boston Bruins are better hockey team. Like, up and down. The way they play, I just, I like obviously I when I'm watching the game, my fandom's gonna kick back in, and I realize how much I hate the Bruins. Yeah, but it's I'm I'm down today, man. I'm I mean I'm down right now. Like it's yeah, so yeah, I'm not in a good place with this hockey team. So Bruins are at Scotiabank Saturday night. Monday night, the Columbus Blue Jackets are at Scotiabank Arena, and then the, mm-hmm. yet another back-to-back the following Tuesday night, the night in which we'll likely do our next show. Who that do, this is the game. Who do the Leafs play, Ryan? This is the dummy game yeah, that yeah. that you were talking about on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, because it's at TD Garden. I could see Saturday being a good old Bruin Leaf battle yeah but tuesday oh. on a back-to-back yeah. hutchison hutch oh yeah oh yeah Ooh. oh i know i know might be the last game hutch ever sees i know i know this was yeah, the scenario that's... last year where after the game garrett sparks came out and said playing in the nhl is hard and then babs just hated his existence after that yeah, I, I wanted Hutchison to do so well, man. I was like his biggest fan before he let a goal in. But you and then made, it's just like Ryan, you made the point earlier. Like, listen, your backup goalie's not supposed to be a stud. Like, yes, he didn't play well. Okay. And like but like you made but the He didn't play that bad. Exactly. Like he didn't make exactly. like he didn't look I, I'll admit he didn't look super comfortable in the net. Like he was fighting some pucks. You could tell he hasn't seen NHL caliber shooting in a real-life game setting in a while, so it looked like he was kind of uncomfortable. But, like, those goals, man, like, they were rockets. Like, those were just hammered one-timers. And the and, and Kuznetsov's a skilled hockey player, man. Like, this, I'll cut him up. It wasn't a softy in there. Like, those were rockets. You made the point earlier that, like, playing in net for this team is hard. Yeah, look how hard it is for Freddie Anderson. And he's a guy who's supposed to be a top 10 goalie in the league. What is a backup supposed to do? Like, and, oh, Curtis McElhaney. Curtis McElhaney, a horseshoe up his his behind for a couple of those starts. So let's not pretend he's like the goat of backups. In any event, we got two games versus the Bruins over the next three. Like I said, we'll likely be doing our next episode next Tuesday night after the Boston game that could be uh that could be an interesting episode I'm I I apologize to everyone for us being so negative so early in the season but it's just it's it's really deflating to watch mm. the same old same old I don't apologize yeah. I'm not apologizing one thing I do want to say I'm sorry one thing I do want to say thank you for Ryan is the folks who went on and gave us some iTunes reviews last week. Thank you very much for doing that. We really appreciate it. It's a massive, massive help. Thank you so much for your kind words. It's amazing. Can't say it enough. You guys are beauties. We love doing the show for you guys. So thank you very much for doing that. Yeah, yeah. Nice to see some old five-star reviews on there. All right. Some good comments. We need that stuff. But before we go... okay. I need all the Talking Buds listeners to congratulate my brother Rob for his engagement over the weekend. Please congratulate him. 
Congratulations, buddy. I'm so pumped for you. Thank you, everyone. And Ryan, appreciate that. All right, so let's hope that next Tuesday night after uh, the second of two, well, the third of three, but the second game against the Bruins, that we're coming on here and we're feeling better and it's a good showing and we they turn it around and they played well. And let's, I'm really hoping for that, Ryan. I really don't want to come on here next week and be like, oh my God, that was ugly. Well, get ready, buddy, because that's exactly what's going to happen. Oh, boy. If you've been watching this hockey team for the past couple of years, you'd expect nothing less than us coming on here, and you might as well just repeat this episode but insert different team names in because that's exactly what's going to happen. (laughs) Okay, and with that, thank you very much for downloading, everybody. We will see you next Tuesday night after the showdown at TD Garden. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.